Welcome to the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nedling. You are about to discover impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you, so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Be sure you visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com. While you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now tune in, get ready, and enjoy the journey of emerging as a leader of exception in the 21st century. Welcome everyone to the Find Your Leadership Confidence podcast. I'm your host, Vicki Nethling, coming to you from Roswell, Georgia. The goal of this podcast is to bring topics and guests that will empower you to grow your business and take it to the next level. This is the Potapalooza version of the Find Your Leadership Confidence podcast. We always love to do this a few times a year. And my guest today is Yvonne McCoy. And so, Yvonne, I always start with a very easy question, which is, where do you come from? Where where do you call home? I'm in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I'm between, for if you're in the bigger world, I'm between New York and Washington. So I don't think you know this about me, but I am a Pittsburgh girl. I'm originally from Pittsburgh, and I had an uncle that lived in Drexel Hill, PA, Ah. just outside of Philadelphia. Well, I grew up closer to Drexel Hill, and and, and a suburban girl. You know, I just, the whole Kevin Bacon thing happens all the time. I I think it's so cool. Mm -hmm. So... You weren't always, you you didn't come out of the womb as an entrepreneur, right? There was something that you did before this. So take us back a little ways. And uh, what did you do prior to becoming an entrepreneur? And what was that thing that said, you know what? I want to be my own business person. I think I have to say that I come from a family of entrepreneurs um, they were entrepreneurs and then they were like, we have to have a job. We need steady income, you know, because they were entrepreneurs during the, you know, the great depression and stuff like that. So there was a big push to have a good paying job. And so that was my, my focus, my entire life, you mm-hmm. know, is to go to school, graduate, get a good job, which I didn't actually do. Um, you know, I was a hippie and I ended up running a food co-op and, and then I ended up going, um, finding out that I was actually good at business. Nobody ever said to me, you know, I was good at math and I was good at school. So I got good grades, but nobody ever said you should go into business. So after the co-op went belly up um, because we did the survey ass backwards, um, I went and ended up getting my master's, my MBA. And again, I wasn't, you know, it was just like, I think I'll get a degree in business and through some quirky things, ended up getting a really good MBA from Wharton. Um, Wow. You know, the, and, and, and talk about limiting beliefs, which is a big problem that entrepreneurs have. I realized that I haven't used my credentials or told people about my credentials in ages. Yeah. Um, so this is the first time I'm actually saying that. And got out and got a, a corporate job where I actually was like, you know, stood out like a sore thumb. I mean, I just I just did not fit into that. And then said, all right, after that was over, I think I will you know, maybe do my own business and ended up getting in. I actually worked for H&R Block for 15 years. I ran. Wow. 
did taxes. I ran a division. Um, we did, you know, a million and a half plus business. I had 12 locations, 300 employees. And so one of the things that, that I learned from that is how do you do accelerated learning? Because we had a seasonal staff. And so it became really important, like, how do you read people? How do you hire fast? How do you get them up to speed? That kind of thing. Yeah. And after I almost had a nervous breakdown from doing that, um, you know, and trying to raise my kids and work, you know, it was like being an entrepreneur with a paycheck. Yeah. You, work, you know, it, it gave you the freedom to work as many hours as you could put in is what it amounted mm -hmm. to. Right. Um, I was like, okay, what is it that I really want to do? Mm -hmm. <laughs> And I think that's the first time that, you know, dead reckoning, which is what, what's in my course, dead reckoning is a sailing term. And because you can't go in a straight line when you're sailing because of the currents and the wind, you have to have a long-term kind of goal. Like, where do I want to go and how do I correct to get there? Was the first time that I actually, I think, used that without knowing it. And I was like, I want to help adults learn to read. You know, yeah. I've got the time to do this. I think that these are amazing people with amazing, you know, that have want to do something with their life. The problem was I was horrible at it. <laughs> um, I couldn't read as a kid. I, I really, you know, I was in second grade and I couldn't read and, and a teacher saved my life. And I think I was dealing with my own emotional, you know, stuff teaching yeah. them, well, I, you know, I couldn't do it. I taught them math. I taught them critical thinking. I taught them all kinds of things that people thought was really strange. But, um, and, but what I did start doing for them is I was coordinator for workforce. Mm. And I got really good at that because um, it turns out that most people that are in work were in workforce were originally teachers, typically in elementary school for some weird reason. And so teaching an adult is very different than teaching a child. Yeah. And so they had this chunk of people that had educational background that couldn't relate to the business people and a chunk of people who were retired business people that had no teaching skills. And for some weird reason, I could do both. And I was really good at it. <laughs> I was really good at the problem solving. And, you know, my brothers and sisters always said, you fix everything. That's that's your mission in life is that you can fix it and get it done and, and get it done fast. And so I did that for I did that for a long time, had a really had a lot of fun doing it. And then when we split ways, I was like, I could probably do something like this on my own. Mm -hmm. So I did a lot of coaching in organizations. I did executive coaching, team building, that kind of stuff. But when COVID hit, I said, this makes me feel old. In 20, March, 2020, I woke up in the hospital. I was in the hospital for five days, not because of COVID. And I lost all my clients because wow. they were all nonprofits and didn't have any money, right? right? And so that's what, you know, I've always been doing kind of entrepreneur, even when I had a job, entrepreneurial kinds of things. Um, but I think that was when I really had to start all over again. Mm take everything that I have and start all over again. And dead reckoning became really, really important because partially because I'm older and it's like, if I want to make an impact on the world, I better get to it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and also because I think it make it helps you to make better decisions faster. It helps you to get rid of the clutter. Mm -hmm. you, know? and you can say, all right, this is interesting, but I'm going to put that on hold. 
And the great thing about, you know, being in an informational society is you put it on hold, but if you have a, you know, a website link, when you go back, it's updated. So it's changing and growing without you doing anything, you know? Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of, that's, that's the long version of a short story. <laughs> I think that's great. And so you talked just a minute ago about um, your where you, you kind of were going and and I wrote down core values and and how is that tied to your vision of where you want to be in your business today and how important as you choose your clients to work with knowing that you want to make it count because of knowing that you want to leave a legacy so how do you manage that that tie-in of vision, core values, and clients? I think the thing that's really important is I think core values are important not only with your clients, but the team that you put around you, mm -hmm. right? Because you can train people to learn new things. Typically, you don't change their values. Yeah. And so that's why it's really important. This is how we do this. How do you you know, what do you think about this? And I think one of the ways to do that is when you're talking with your clients is to kind of get a sense of what their values are. What is it that's important to them, you know, and how they make decisions, that kind of stuff. How do they talk to their clients? Mm -hmm. How do they talk to their employees, right? Um, because my, my feeling is that every relationship that you have should leave that person better. Mm -hmm. They yeah, should be better true. for knowing you. Um, and that has, there've been times in my life when that's been really hard because it's like, I'm not getting along with you. I'm, I just am not going to talk to you anymore. And mm -hmm. I had to get to a point where I said, what's in me that's making that happen, that I had to have some responsibility for that and at least try to work through it before I, you know, I mean, cause there are some relationships you don't want. Right, right. That you need yeah. to walk away from. Right. But I, I think one of the things that's, that is really amazing is um, I took a course on positive intelligence mm. and and it was really enlightening because he talks about how our limiting beliefs make us kind of go down, be in a rut. Yeah. Right. And, and that at some point, if you can stop yourself and say, what is the opportunity here? What is the gift? then it'll get you to look at it in a different way. And if you then say, what is the opportunity that's gonna get me to my legacy? What is the gift that's gonna help me to, you know, um, it is an amazing thing. I mean, I, I actually mm -hmm. had it in a business, a business relationship where there was somebody that was like, this person is right. And I was like, okay, let me take a look at this and realized that the reason he was, you know, seemed like he was so off kilter to me was that as, as the group, we hadn't decided what it was that we were trying to do. Right. Right. And, and this person had an incredible amount of technology experience. If we could figure out where we were going, he would get us there faster. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, so that's what's going on, you know? And you made a really good point in your background you showed that you're a women business strategist and you you made a point about the people that you bring in and I think oftentimes people hire for a body and or a skill and don't remember that 
you can teach them a skill. Mm-hmm. And just because they're breathing doesn't mean that they're aligned with your values, your your mission, your core. And you can't change their behavior or their attitude very easily. Um, That's true. And, That's very true. And so talk about how important it is in that interview as well as um say you weren't the person that interviewed them now you you're the manager that stuck with them how important it is that you decide should they stay or should they go well i think the first part to this is i think so many times people are not hiring for the right role right they're saying i need a body but they're not saying that they need a body that for the particular role. And that is Mm -hmm. probably one of the first challenges that all entrepreneurs have is that you're working by yourself and then you, you know, maybe family and friends are helping you, but they're not really the right people. And so you have no policies, you have no standard operating procedures um, Mm -hmm. to be able to, to see if they're actually doing what they're supposed to be doing. Right. So that's kind of a big thing is that you see yourself, you know, you have to move from that mindset of being just a practitioner to being a business owner, mm-hmm. right? And put some systems in place. But if you, if in fact somebody has put somebody on you, right, that, that that's the body, um, one of the things I teach is I call it the three Ps. And it's, it's because we always want to go to what's wrong with me or what's wrong with them. That's yes. like, that's our first, you know. Mm-hmm. So the, the first P is procedural. What are the procedures? Are, do we have procedures in place? Are they the right ones? Do they need to be changed? Was this person trained on them? Mm-hmm. Right? If all of that is okay, then the next thing is the person. Did we actually train the person to do what I'm asking them to mm-hmm. do? Do they understand it? Do they need more training? If it's not a training issue, is it a resource issue? Did you give them everything that they need you know, and the really simple version of this is mm-hmm. you can make the copies I told you to make because we ran out of paper and we don't have a procedure about when we should order paper so that yeah. this doesn't happen. So now we need another, you know, another procedure. And then at some point you've got the person has the ability to do it. You've trained them and they just don't want to do it. At which point, if depending on the laws in your state and stuff, um, you've given them a verbal warning, a written warning, that kind of stuff, you know, that you've taken them through the process and they just are not going to do it, then that's the time that you need to let them go. Because one of the things that people don't think about is the negative impact that they're having on other people. Yeah. That you have. And it can be, I mean, I had an organization that would not fire this woman and she just sabotaged, sabotaged, sabotaged. And when they finally fired her, she was like, thank God, I was wondering how long it would take you to do it. Like like unemployment. I mean, um, I think that, you know, and, and, and part of the training part is, is to let people know if you can't do this, you know, and we've put everything into it then we have to have a parting of the ways. So it's not, it's not a surprise. I mean, I have to say firing people is like the worst thing, you know, mm-hmm. you don't like to do it. And the first manager job I had, I had to fire a lot of people and I was put into a really weird situation where I, people were stealing and I couldn't prove it. It happened mm-hmm. before I got there. And so I had to kind of fire them on a technicality. And the thing that amazed me was to the man, none of them said, 
you know, I, I didn't do it or something like that. They said, who told you? Mm. So, <laughs> you know. Wow. So we're running out of time. This has been a very great um, <clears throat> conversation we've had here. What would be two tips that you would give the um, the audience that should be something that they consider every day to help them really be able to grow their business? I think that I would start the day with the question, what can I do today that's going to grow my business and grow my legacy? Mm -hmm. And the other thing is, I think it's really important that you look at your business as an experiment that you're trying something and you there's going to be there're going to be times when you fail yeah. but you if you learn from that then you are going to succeed and make progress if you are not failing you're not doing anything new you're not growing right and that right. was a, that was a hard lesson for me to learn yeah cuz we get in that comfort level and we think well if the boat's not rocking we uh, don't need to worry about it <laughs> yes but, but but here's the thing if you're not growing and you're you think you're just maintaining, you're actually falling behind because yeah. the world is changing around you. Very true. Very true. You always have to. I, I did a, an, an analogy uh, just recently. I uh, visited the St. Augustine area and they have a lighthouse. And I use the lighthouse as an analogy for how your business should be. So mm -hmm. as you go up the spiral, there's windows. And you can look out and you have a, a perspective and you know what you see and what you feel and what you hear. And then you go up a little further and the perspective changes. You're still the same person. Your business is the same, but now you have to look at it a little differently. Mm -hmm. And then as you get all the way to the top, you get a different perspective and different idea and that feeling of success, but you have to come all the way back down and start over. Well, you know what? I'm going to tell you, you never start over. You're continuing on. Mm -hmm. So you may be at the bottom, but you've gotten something out of doing that journey. Well, and so you're a different person than when you when you started up those stairs. Yeah. And it's it's really not starting over, but it's adding that out of the comfort mm -hmm. zone. It's mm -hmm. like, oh, well, I learned something from the top. So now I know. <laughs> yeah, I can see what's out there. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's been wonderful having time with you today, Yvonne. And as always, I end with life is a journey it, and it's up to you to enjoy the ride. And this I'll is... share mine. Mine, mm -hmm. I said, I just discovered this from something I was going through that I wrote, life is a journey, learn to navigate. Ah, so good. That's why we have GPS. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is Vicki Nethling signing off. Thank you for tuning into the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nedling, where we share impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Remember to visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're here, subscribe to us via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast.